Premier Christian Newscast. Hello and welcome to Premier Christian Newscast. I'm Tim Wyatt and today we're looking at the growing movement of breakaway Anglicans in the UK. Earlier in the autumn, the Anglican network in Europe consecrated three new bishops. This small grouping of about 35 churches, all Anglican but not part of the official Church of England, is busily growing and expanding, in part as it expects more conservative churches to defect from the C of E when the established church begins debating whether to permit gay marriage in church for the first time. While Annie, as it is known, is small and far from a meaningful rival to the more than 12,700 parishes of the official Anglican denominations in Britain, its rise does tell us something interesting about the state of play for conservative evangelicals. This week, I'm speaking to one of these new Annie bishops and a well-connected evangelical church historian to try and understand what the network wants to be and why it matters. The Anglican Network in Europe is a relatively new body, formed in 2020 as an umbrella group for two separate groups of churches, the Anglican Mission in England, known as AMIE or AMI, and the Anglican Convocation in Europe or ACE. AMI is the older of these two movements and has been going for about 10 years. It's a network of about 25 conservative evangelical churches, each of them Anglican but not part of the Church of England. As well as taking in those who are quitting the C of E, AMI also starts new churches and trains its own clergy from scratch. ACE is a younger grouping and includes about 10 congregations spread across Wales, Scotland, England, Portugal and Germany. Lee McMunn, who leads an Amy church in Scarborough and is also one of the new bishops, said the network had slowly been coalescing into a formal denomination over many years since it got its very first bishop, Andy Lines, back in 2017. At that point, so what was Amy? Amy was um, a looser affiliation um, um, of churches that you know were, were, were kind of bound together, but it was a bit looser. Um, we, we'd arrived in this sort of informal gathering in different ways um, but it, it, it didn't have a proper Anglican structure to it so it, it didn't have if you if you'd asked us back then what it would it really mean to belong uh, that would have been a hard question to answer um, mm. and it didn't have any of the kind of interdependent Anglican features like we didn't have synods um, we didn't have canons um, so we didn't have our kind of membership but we didn't have any of that and and Andy wasn't actually within um, um, you know within that within Amy either because he was essentially a bishop uh, doing that so uh, back in 2017 there was good intentions and I think what what we had there was um, the real strengths were um, a culture of mission of church planting of of outreach and a real culture of we wanted to to do this together so there was a real bond of relationship so that was great um, but that sort of thing doesn't last the time mm. um, and and isn't isn't properly Anglican and so in 2020, a group of conservative archbishops from the GAFCON movement decided to recognise Amy and Ace as effectively baby dioceses of a baby denomination, now called the Anglican Network in Europe, or ANI. 
GAFCON is a network of conservative traditionalist bishops across the global Anglican communion who remain within the official structures of Anglicanism but are deeply unhappy with the direction of travel. They are strongly opposed to moves by Anglican churches in places like America, Canada, Brazil, Scotland and elsewhere to liberalise teaching on sexuality and marriage and so are fostering the creation of breakaway Anglican movements in those places. Annie is now on the way to becoming the GAFCON outpost in the UK and some parts of Europe, a stronghold for evangelical Christians who still want to be Anglican but can no longer stomach being part of the C of E. But it's not just for those seceding from the official church, McMunn insisted. The group also plants its own churches from scratch and trains church leaders who have never been through the official C of E process. The new bishops, as well as church laws and other structures being put in place, were all about getting Annie ready to be a fully-fledged independent denomination, not simply a repository of one-off breakaways. So at the moment, um, what you have is, well, in, until the recent consecrations, we had one bishop um, who had three different roles. So he was the convocation bishop, um, or essentially the diocese bishop of Amy, the convocation bishop of Ace, and the presiding bishop of the network. If you were building a structure around one individual, that's crazy. Why would you do that? You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't write three different canons. You wouldn't have that. Just be crazy. But this was not about building a structure around an individual, and this is about uh, building a structure that sent a signal about the future. Um, and so, therefore, one person occupied those roles at the moment. But that is not the vision for the future. The vision of the future would be that you would have different diocesan bishops um, for each of each of the dioceses. Within those dioceses, as they grow, you would probably have assistant bishops to serve alongside them. Um, that, and we can talk about the need of that. And then you would have, out of the diocesan bishops, one of those would be elected as the archbishop of the, of the, of the province. So that's what we were signaling. Now, um, everything's very small, but we thank God that things are growing. But the GAFCON primates were very... And this is, this is part of the joy of becoming... Uh, be part of the global GAFCON family. Um, that We have the, the backing... Of the majority of Anglicans around the world, and um, that this is this is the right step and this is the right future, and um, so that's yeah under God that's what we we want to see. Obviously, our ultimate aim is we want to start more churches and see them strengthened, um, so that we can we can reach the people of Europe uh, with the good news of Jesus. And um, so our, our our ultimate aim is not is not like we just want a province above all things, but in order to serve that ultimate aim of of spreading the good news about Jesus, and um, you can see where we're going in terms of our structure. Um, so in order to arrive at a province, you need more dioceses. So we've essentially got two proto-dioceses at the minute. Um, we want to see that added to. Um, so others will come alongside as we pray. Um, but that's that's the future direction of travel. So it, it would look, God willing, something like the ACNA. The new bishops means Annie will soon boast a bishop-to-congregation ratio of 1 to 7, significantly more than other official Anglican churches. For contrast, the C of E has about 110 parishes for each of its bishops. But McMahon said this was both to create space for future growth and to model a different kind of episcopacy, where clergy could have meaningful pastoral relationships with their bishop. You've got to, you've got to work out what are your bishops supposed to do. Um, because unless you answer the question, what are your bishops supposed to do, you don't, you don't know how many you need. Um, so for us, one of the phrases that we, we use quite, um, quite a lot is the, the, the phrase of relational episcopacy. Um, so we want an episcopacy uh, that we want our bishops to be highly relational. Um, so we want our bishops um, to be those who pastor the pastors. Um, so we actually want them to get alongside actively 
um, to our church leaders, to our licensed clergy, um, so that they they regularly pray with them, uh, read the Bible with them. Um, they know their families and they visit their churches. They teach the Bible uh, to their churches. And um, of course, we also want our bishops to be ordaining um, uh, new ministers. We want our bishops to both uh, privately and publicly defend the faith, uh, which means obviously to teach things positively, but also to defend publicly uh, against error. And um, we've got all that, but but actually putting into the mix this highly relational relational care um, is one of the reasons that uh, that even now we need to multiply the number of bishops. Um, so um, obviously with with before the consecrations, we had one bishop who was then increasingly being spread very thin um, across the whole continent of Europe. And um, so already right now, there's a need if we're going to keep that high relational Episcopal care. Uh, we need more bishops to get alongside um, our pastors and and their church families. And, and we're already beginning to see some of the, the fruit of that. But also, if we want to grow and we want to be a credible movement in the future for those who are looking in, and that's increasingly what's happening. Um, so we've got we've got um, we've got ordained pastors in the Church of England increasingly contacting us to say, I don't see my future in the Church of England, um, but where could I go? And if we are going to say to them, well, come and join these one of these convocations, and one of the things that we will provide for you um, is is Episcopal care. We're actually you're you're not trying to defend your church family from the bishop, but what you are trying to do instead is you're inviting your bishop into your life to care for you and to your church family. And we we need that we need that promise to be credible. Um, hmm. And um, and so therefore, what we're trying to do now is 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 care for our current pastors, but also to to not just wait until the the increase of inquiries comes and then we say oh what do we do now but actually preparing for that day that we think is inevitable the, the reality is that our experience has been that the majority of church leaders who leave um other denominations and uh, to be part of um amy or a's they they don't arrive in the sort of prime ministerial condition they've often they're often pretty battered and bruised uh, by their experiences of of having lived through a, a denomination that that is deeply troubling to them um so that we're just very conscious of that so we really need to help people as they as they make the transition um sometimes it's just pastorally we need to help them but sometimes they have to they just have to learn new ways it's a bit like um if you if you belong to a dysfunctional family um, there are ways that you operate to protect yourself. Mm. And uh, we've noticed that in terms of people leaving the Church of England, there are ways they've had to operate to protect themselves. And then they, they move into a new environment and there's just a different culture. There's a different way of doing things. And so, but they've got to learn that. So, mm. you know, the, the bishops are not there and the bishops are their friends and that they, they actually, it's a really good thing, but actually there's not, you can't just snap your fingers about that. You, we've got to help people make the transition. Mm. The Anglican network in Europe are not, however, the first group of Anglicans to break away from the official church and try to start their own denomination from scratch. Andrew Atherston, a church historian at Wycliffe Hall in Oxford, said Annie was following in the footsteps of a 19th century outfit called the Free Church of England. That would be a long lasting example. Um, so they started in the 1840s, uh, localised concern down in Devon. Uh, remember those debates about Bishop Philpotts and, mm. and what was going to happen? Um, over the over the Gorham judgment, those sorts of times, and it begins as um, you know local issues clash with one particular bishop, um, and then 
and then multiplies into a network um, and is still going now 150 years later they've got about 20 congregations two dioceses in the country um, not in communion with the church of england but orders recognized by the church of england um, and actually have had a kind of historic minister sharing relationship quite unusually uh, you can be a minister in the Church of England with a license and also licensed to the Free Church of England. Oh, really? Um, now, I don't know how, <laughs> don't know how that, that happens. Um, another example, I mean, an older one would be um, the non-jurors. Um, mm. You know, way back in the 1680s, um, where you get a sort of continuing group who say that they've given their oaths of allegiance to James II, who hasn't died, he's simply been deposed. And much as they might welcome William and Mary um, as, a, as a matter of Christian honour, you know, they've, they've sworn allegiance to the previous monarch. Um, mm. And so they become a, a kind of continuing network. Um, but there's, there's not many other examples um, in England. I mean, there have been, been some started uh, over the questions of the ordination of women in the 1990s. So the Church of England brackets continuing. Um, started in uh, in the mid 1990s, Bishop David Samuel, very small network. I don't know how many congregations today. Um, and you can Google them, three or four, um, mostly situated around Reading. Um, I think what's unusual about the, the, the Anglican mission in England is that um, it's quite a large number of churches from a standing start, um, and they are very much on the front foot in terms of church planting. Mm. So all of these other previous networks have, have sort of gathered together folk who have left for various reasons of unsettlement, um, but haven't really sought to multiply apart from through more seceders joining. Whereas Anglican Mission in England is totally different. It's like we're, we're determined to multiply because churches should multiply. So they're attracting church planters um, rather than just people who are kind of out of step with their with their diocese for some reason so i think it gives it a very different sort of ethos and a more front foot one premier christian newscast premier christian newscast This whole conversation takes place in the looming shadow of an upcoming decision by bishops in the Church of England over whether to change their marriage doctrine and allow gay couples to get married in church, known as the Living in Love and Faith Project, or LLF. But Lee McMahon insisted Annie was more than just a lifeboat for conservative Anglicans ready to bail should the C of E abandon orthodox doctrine on sexuality. So we, want, we, we like to talk about ourselves as as a fleet of lifeboats rather than just as a lifeboat okay so that that allows us to say um a fleet of lifeboats is is a number of local churches partnering together to to reach this needy continent with the gospel okay so that that there's a great vision for that rather than just as a lifeboat um because in the past i think some people have, have seen um whether amy or ace or the network as as the kind of lifeboat for those leaving the church of england um, I think the first thing you need to keep on saying is that uh, we are for the people of Europe, this, this lost continent that needs to hear the good news about Jesus. Uh, but we have an eye, eye also onto um, other fleets that we think are in trouble. Um, and so the Church of England is one of those fleets uh, that is in trouble. And 
um, we are already experienced the the kind of slight increase of the number of people inquiring to us um, um, who who feel that they cannot uh, continue to minister um, in the Church of England. Um, do I expect a flood? No, um, I don't expect. I think it's so complicated. I think um, people's people's timings for when they think they cannot continue to minister in the Church of England are so variable and the situation is so different. Um, sometimes it can be whole churches with their leadership that decide to leave. And um, we've already had, uh, um, uh, that's very sacrificial. Like we've, we, often that will mean that they'll have to leave assets behind, they'll have to leave buildings behind, houses uh, behind, and then they had to walk into a situation which, which seems highly uncertain. Now we've had churches do that, but it's more complicated than that because sometimes um, congregations don't don't want to leave, but the minister feels they cannot continue, and so for the minister has to think about pioneering new a new church from scratch. Um, so it's just highly complicated. So I don't think there's there's going to be a flood. Um, not just the complexity, but people's different conscience decisions will kick in at different moments. But I do think um that that the stream will get will get a little bit more. The flow rate will increase. Um, I really do. Um, I think I've seen that already. Um, I think. Um, that has been that has happened um, particularly since the Lambeth conference and the the introduction of this duality um, of of truce on sexuality, uh, particularly by Archbishop Justin Welby, um, to to basically to have a statement where um, it is uh, one the revisionist teaching. Um, is is allowed as part of a conversation and is is spoken of in in highly theological terms of people um, after a time of devotion and study have, have arrived at this point of view alongside um, the orthodox teaching of 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 Lambeth 110. What has happened, I think, in many people's eyes, is that that Archbishop Justin has now introduced this duality of two truths um, into the Anglican Communion, and so many are thinking. This seems to be the direction of travel within the Church of England, um, and and for many that is that is deeply alarming, which it should be. The other flashpoint of disagreement among evangelical Anglicans in recent years has been over the ordination of women as priests and bishops. But interestingly, Annie contains churches which both agree and disagree with women in leadership. ACE has adopted rules which leave it up to each congregation to decide, whereas Amy has ruled it out explicitly in its constitution. Some observers have warned this risks baking in future splits into the organisation from day one, but McMahon said it had not been hard to join up with those with different theological perspectives for the greater good. Uh, in all honesty, I think it has been, it has not been difficult. Um, it, it has been, it has been a, a wonderful joy to be able to do this. Um, and I think that's because we've worked out the right place um, where we need to preserve our our particular theological convictions, um, so we've decided to do that at the convocation level, and 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 to say at the provincial level um, that we're that we're very happy to, to to partner together in that way. So what what it means is that at the diocese level, well, just to step back, I want to say like every, I don't see this as theological compromise. So that everybody in the network is committed to the Jerusalem Statement and Declaration, which basically says that you are committed to reformed Anglican practices. So you're committed to 
the theology of the Book of Common Prayer, the um, the Ordinal and the 39 Articles. And those are an expression of biblical faith. So essentially, you are saying that you're a Bible person committed to these documents that outline the biblical faith. So everybody in the network is committed to those things. Um, so that's there's no theo theological. There's no there's no liberalism or anything, no revisionism. That is that is everybody signed up to that. Um, but there are there are some issues where um, where some some take a different point of view, which one of those would be the say the ordination of uh, women to to be priests. Um, so Amy have decided that, um, that 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 we in our canons we have said that the only men will be ordained as priests or presbyters. Um, the Anglican Convocation in Europe have said that that is going to be a decision for the local church. Um, and so there will be some within um, ACE um, um, who in the future they might have um, women ordained as priests um, and they'll they'll minister alongside others who don't believe that. That's that's their choice. That's a vision. So some um, that's some want to be part of that. And um, the Amy Church is. Uh, have decided that at the diocesan level um we want to be united on that issue um but we are very very happy we we want to stand together with our orthodox uh, brothers and sisters absolutely for for mission at the provincial level so i think actually this um the way of doing this enables us um to properly partner together and yet uh, enable those differences not to end up um in fights or um in in sort of compromises at the diocesan level so it gives you rather than actually making it difficult i actually think it makes it easier atherston said it was certainly innovative in anglican church history to effectively write into the permanent rules of a body two competing understandings of doctrine but said only time would tell if it could work um, but how much do you have to have in common as a province um to be able to work together um yeah, time, time is going to tell on that, especially if you have these um, self-made groups sort of coming in. So again, in my article, you might have seen the, the, the talk about the, some of the Nigerian congregations mm. becoming a third diocese. Um, and you could think of other potential networks around the Church of England, which leave the Church of England and join and become an, their own diocese with their own bishop. Um, well, you, you're already putting personality into the system. Um, and then if those personalities can drive their own canons, um, you're putting some, yeah, you're putting some pretty deep ecclesiological divisions sewn into the very fabric of the way it's designed. I suppose the response would be, well, you know, we've got those ambiguities in the Church of England as, as it stands. Um, men and women in ministry, yeah. for example. <laughs> um, Flying bishops so, and, and... You know, all, all, all of that sort of thing. Except in the Church of England, that would be seen as a pastoral provision. Um, the church corporately has come to a decision corporately. You know, and we announced that in the five guiding principles. Whereas in Annie, they seem to have not come to a decision as a province, but allowed their diocese to come to separate decisions. Um, so what happens when a woman ordained in, in um, ACE you know, wants to wants to join up <laughs> in the next diocese or move or plant under the next bishop. Um, uh, yeah, so they've got some puzzles they're going to have to face in the future as they figure those sorts of things out. The core doctrine everyone in Annie does agree on is holding fast to traditional understandings of marriage as being between one man and one woman. 
However appealing this doctrinal purity may be to conservatives still within the C of E, Atherston said he did not expect there to be wide-scale defections over the issue when the LLF sexuality debate is launched at the next General Synod meeting in February. I think it's very unlikely that that line is crossed um, in the near future. Um, despite these intense conversations in 2023 and Synod. Um, and... Um, yeah, so I think that that's very much up for grabs when you look at at the at what might come out of LLF and and in terms of the strength of the three houses of synod and the number of more conservative um, people within those groups. But there's definitely massive increased anxiety at the moment about where we might end up. Um, anxiety about people offering themselves for Christian ministry in the first place who have 40 years of working life ahead of them, um, who've always had a whole variety of options. Um, you know, conservative evangelicals in particular, um, shall I join the FIEC? Um, shall I join the Presbyterians? Shall I join the Anglicans? In Traditionally, very many of them have joined the Church of England over the last 50 years under the banner of, you know, John Stott and, and Jim Packer and others. Um, but that's becoming a, a less attractive option for those in their mid-20s thinking about pastoring a church for 40 years. I think mm. that's a that's a big problem. Um, but it's by no means straightforward uh, what an evangelical who wanted to secede would do. Um, you, you know, they, you can't take your building with you. Um, so do you leave by yourself as a matter of conscience? and go and join Amy, but then who do you pastor? You have to become a church planter. And the hundred in your congregation you've been pastoring for the last 10 years are left behind without you. Hmm. Um, so the, the sheep without a shepherd. So all of those sorts of questions uh, will, will recur. Um, but I think the, the conservative charismatic nexus within the Church of England, the, the sort of Church of England Evangelical Council um, bringing, the, bringing the groups together, um, are unlikely to find themselves seceding en masse and joining something like Annie. What's more likely to happen is that they're going to try and argue for space within a reconstituted Church of England. Um, so, um, yes, may end up breaking with their diocesan bishops, will end up breaking with some of their formal structures in terms of deaneries and the way in which clergy are paid and all of those sorts of things, but, pro but probably will remain in the Church of England, uh, but just in a, in a different sort of grouping. Hmm. Um, I think the, the ordination of question, uh, the ordination of women question is a, is a key one, um, because there's lots about Ace and Amy that wouldn't seem attractive to the vast majority of evangelicals and be conservative or charismatic within within the C of E, um, who would be used to a sort of broader based footing um, hmm. on which to work. Maybe that could be the third diocese. Well, <laughs> um, I guess time if, will tell. Time will tell. Exactly. Time will tell. Um, and I, I, because time will tell, I mean, I think the Gamaliel principle is quite a good one. Um, and I would want to urge, you know, our archbishops and um, those with diocesan influence, 
even those who have no theological sympathy with Gafcon at all and think the whole thing is is madness, um, just to adopt in that case the Gamaliel principle, which is if God's in it, it will flourish. And the last thing you want to be doing is closing down a work of God, mm. um, and you know see what happens over thirty years, and and then let's come back and have a conversation. And for McMunn, he said he was not obsessing about the internal deliberations of the Church of England, but instead on building his own church. But the reality is, there's so much to be done. Um, there's so much need in our country. Um, I think that the challenge is, it is uh, particularly if you're a, a senior leadership of the Church of England, for hundreds of years, um, the terms Church of England and Anglican have been synonymous. Um, but that is no longer the case. Um and so you can be an Anglican in this country and not be part of the Church of England. Um, and and so therefore, the, the England is not the territory of the Church of England. Um, mm -hmm. So it is it is the territory of Christ and that we that we are trying to do our part as faithful Anglicans uh, connected to the Gafcon family and therefore the majority of Anglicans around the world. That's it for this week's Premier Christian Newscast. But if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on whatever podcast app you use. And why not also tell a friend about the show? Don't forget to also subscribe to the podcast on your phone or tablet to ensure that you receive each episode automatically sent to your device week by week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Premier Christian Newscast. 